morning and welcome. What a great day to be here. Thank you so much for being here. I tell you today, we're starting a new series through the book of Ruth. And, uh, well, I just got to tell you, I haven't been this excited about starting a new series and walking through a book with you like I am this series. And uh, I spent a lot of time in, a, in an, an office and in a study and and God did some unbelievable things in my life through this book. And, and so my prayer for you is that if that, that he'd do some things personally for you. I don't preach for information. I preach for life change. And I preach out of a burden that God has given me, has birthed out of my life. And, uh, and so I just pray this morning that as we start this book, uh, the, the book of Ruth is in the Old Testament. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, Ruth chapter 1. Uh, Ruth, let me just make some, some, some kind of some things or make you aware of some things about the book of Ruth so that we all are on the same page and we can understand it together. The book of Ruth is in the Old Testament. is written in Hebrew. Uh, and in the Hebrew language, is very descriptive. It's very poetic. It's a, it's, it's a wonderful language. And so sometimes it's difficult to translate everything to English and get the, the emotion. And so I'm going to do the very best I can. The book of Ruth was designed to, to read start to finish at one point, at one time. Now, because, of, because you probably don't want to sit that long and, and stay here all day, I would prefer to preach through the whole book because of how it's laid out and the things that God has for us. And so, but I know that's not possible, so we're going we're gonna to be in it four weeks, and each week we'll, we'll take one chapter out of the book of Ruth, and we'll walk through it together as we, as we learn from this book. So Ruth chapter 1, it's in your Old Testament of your Bible. If you don't know where that is, it's Joshua, Judges, Ruth. I don't know why Joshua judged Ruth, but he did. So that's, that's just kind of how I remember it and how I remember the order of, of, of books in the Bible. So Ruth chapter 1, there's a couple of things that you need to know while you're turning there. Is uh, The time of this book was written in the time of the judges. There's Joshua, then the book of Judges, and then the book of of, of Ruth. And so Ruth ends up in the middle of Judges. And that is so important because of this. See, in, when you read the book of Judges, you find that, that it was a different time and a different culture. Fact is, Judges 21 25 says, There was no king in the land in which everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's kind of where we are in our culture. That's kind of where we are in society now. There is no absolute truth is what people will tell you. It's just truth is relative. And so people believe that, you know what, everybody should be able to do what is right in their own eyes. And really and truly, that's where we are as a culture. That's where we are as a time. And so the book of Ruth comes smack dab in the middle of Judges. Okay? One last thing, there's the Israelites and the Moabites. The Israelites did not like the Moabites at all. Fact is, whenever the, the Israelites were disobedient and, and, and rebelled against God, God would raise up the Moabites and he would use the Moabites to correct, to rebuke the Israelites. So the Israelites did not like the Moabites at all. Now, let me tell you, the Moabites were immoral people. They were seen as very, very immoral people. Fact is, the beginning of the Moabites came out of Genesis chapter 19 from an incestuous relationship that Lot had with one of his daughters. So that's where the Moabites came from. The Moabites were immoral. They were godless. In fact, as many Moabite women would seduce and lead Israelite men astray. So Moab, Moabites are seen as a place of great, great immorality. 
Fact is, in Scripture, God told the Israelites, do not intermingle, do not marry the Moabites. Now, that's not a racial statement at all. All it is is the same thing as today where the Scripture says, do not be unequally yoked. All God was telling the Israelites is, marry, come into relationship only with God followers because the time will come when you will compromise your faith if you don't. So that's kind of the time, the place, the context. Ruth chapter 1, I'll make three, three points as we walk through this. Ruth chapter 1, here's what the scripture says. In the days when the judges ruled, so we understand that, right? There was no king in the land. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And there was a famine in the land. That is huge. Now listen, that's what's going on in Bethlehem uh, with the Israelites. Famine is in the land. Now we don't understand famine today. We don't understand what it is like to, to go hungry for long periods of time, wonder where our next meal is going to come from, wonder if we're going to be able to feed the family, if we're going to starve to death. A famine was a horrible, horrible thing. So there's difficulty in the land. There's a famine that's going on in the land. So here we go. There was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. Now, you have an Israelite that is in Bethlehem. And he takes his Jewish family, leaves his church, leaves his life group, leaves his family, leaves all of his support. And they go to the land of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. Here's the first principle. In life, there's a place of promise and there's a life of compromise. In life, there's a place of great promise and there's a great place of great compromise. There's a, great, there's a place in your life, personally, in your dating relationships, there's a, great, there's, a, there's, there's a place of promise and there's a place of compromise. In your marriage, there's a place of promise and there's a place of compromise. In your career, in your profession, in your integrity, how you handle things in the community, in the decisions that you and I go through and, and have daily, there is a place of promise and there is a place of compromise. If we are honest, we are all faced with that decision almost daily. Place of compromise, place of promise. And all of a sudden, difficulty comes in this man that was in the place of promise moves to the place of compromise. Verse 2, then the name of the man was Imelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons, Malon and Chilion. They were Euphrates from Bethlehem in Judea. They went into the country of Moab, watch this, and remained there. Here is this Jewish man. There's a famine in the land. There's great difficulty and he moves from the land of promise to the land of compromise, and he takes his family, his two single sons that were not married, to Moab, knowing that they would probably find a Moabite wife there. There's something about when we're in the land of promise, and difficulty comes, uncertainty comes, isn't that the times in life that we're more susceptible to compromise? When, when the future's uncertain, when there's hurt, when there's pain. Listen, let me just tell you something this morning. In case you don't understand this, even in the land of promise, there is difficulty. There is hurt. There is pain. There is pain. 
There is uncertainty. You have to trust God in the land of promise. And so many times we can be in the land of promise and God, I want to live for you and I want my relationships to be pure and I want you to bless me. And uncertainty and difficulty come. And because of that, we'll compromise, and we move to the land of compromise. Listen, when uncertainty comes, we can just about justify anything in life, right? I mean, when, when hurt and pain, and uh, here a while back, my wife, Karen, is, is into exercise a lot more than me, <laughs> a whole lot more than me. And so there's this, this exercise routine that's going around. It's P90X deal, you know, the DVDs. And, and you get the DVDs, and, and it's like in like 90 days, you'll be absolutely ripped. Not just ripped, but absolutely ripped. And so she thought it'd be a good deal if she got me into exercise and said it'd help my golf game. And, you know, when you're desperate, you're desperate. And so I said, sure. So we ordered the DVDs. I'm telling you what, that was the worst hour of my life, hour and a half. <laughs> I mean, and, and you know what? And when you're exercising with your wife, you got to suck it up. I mean, and so, and so, you know, you're supposed to do it in 90 days. And, and I'm telling you what, after the first session, I was dying. I walked backwards down the stairs for a week. I could, I'm telling you, I couldn't lift my arms. And I mean, it was pain. And, and then day two came. And... And so we went through it again, and I'm like, this is horrible. This is miserable. Day three, and I'm like, I'm going to be sore for the rest of my life. I'm not doing this. So, so I, I told her. I got frustrated. I says, I quit. She says, you can't quit. You made a commitment. You made a commitment with me, 90 days. I says, I quit. And I got hurt. I mean, I'm hurting. I got pain. I mean, I got some stuff going on that I didn't even know could hurt. And so she's like, you can't quit. And so I says, oh, I'm quitting. And she says, well, why? And it wasn't the best excuse, but we can all justify anything if we want to. I says, because of this. You know how you turn it spiritual? I says, because if I continue on on day 91 when I'm absolutely ripped, I don't want to cause the girls to lust when I preach. I'm telling you. I am telling you. That's what I told her. There's a little glimpse into our house. Karen, Karen looks at me and says, let's risk it. Listen, we can justify just about anything, right? We, we could be in the land of promise, and we can go through hurt, and we can go through pain, and we can go through difficulty, and we can convince ourselves it's not right. It shouldn't hurt that way. It shouldn't be difficult. It shouldn't be uncomfortable. And if we're not careful, we will move from the land of promise where God has blessing for you, where God has good things planned for you, and we will move to the land of compromise and wonder why things don't work out, wonder why God doesn't bless our relationships and the situations. And Imelech was no different in, in leading his family to Moab, the place where there's division between the Israelites and the Moabites, and to a place where heavy sexual immorality is going on. And in life, there's always a place of promise, and there's always a place of compromise. Always. Move on. Verse 3. But Amalek, the husband of Naomi, died. Now listen. The book of Ruth is the chick flick of all chick flicks. <laughs> Men, get your girlfriends, get your wives here for the next four weeks. You will not have to take her to a chick flick. This will suffice. I mean, this is the chick flick of all chick flicks. Great emotion, uh, hurt, loss, pain, despair and great celebration the Hebrew is so poetic 
And all of a sudden, this is when in the movie that all of a sudden the, the mood changes, the, the music changes. And they're in the land of compromise. They're in Moab. And the man that led Naomi there dies. And she was left with her two sons. They took Moabite wives. Not the way she had had life planned out. Not the dream that she had for her family. You know, when you're young and you start out a family and you have dreams of how your kids will end up and how your life will end up and how everything will work out. Moabite daughters-in-laws is not in her plans. The name of one was Orpah and the name of the other was Ruth. They lived there 10 years. 10 years of tragedy. 10 years of hurt. Imelech dies. Moabite wives. Watch this. Verse 5, and both Malon and Chilion died. Scripture's pretty, just the facts. Your husband's dead. Your sons take Moabite wives, compromise. Now they're dead. And you're left. Naomi, you're left with two Moabite daughters-in-laws. No details, just one tragedy right after another. We don't know how they died. We don't know what happened. Naomi has lost everything. She's lost hope. She's lost her provider. She's lost security. If she didn't think she had security in the land of promise, look out in the land of compromise. There's none there. You think life is uncertain in the land of promise? Go to the land of compromise. She lost her friends. She lost security. She lost her future. She lost her hope. Not only that, the Moabite daughter-in-laws were barren. No kids. No children. For us, not such a big deal. For them, Jews, huge deal. Because carry on the family name. She has lost everything. The name is going to die and end with her. You've got to sense the sense of loss that the author wants you to understand. Verse 5, he doesn't even refer to her as Naomi, the woman. That's purposely done in the Hebrew. So you, you understand the gravity of this and you understand the hurt and the pain and the loss in life. There's always a place of promise, and there's always a place of compromise. The second thing is this, is that it is the goodness of God that draws us back to the land of promise. It is the goodness of God that draws us back when we have left the, the land of, of compromise, a land of promise, and we've gone to the land of compromise. It is always the goodness of God. Watch this. Verse 6. Then she arose, Naomi. Then Naomi arose with her two daughters-in-law to the return from the country of Moab. Now, why would she do that? She'd been there over 10 years. 
For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. First time the name of the Lord is mentioned in the book of Ruth. She's working in the fields, doing whatever in Moab. And she hears on the rumor mill, did you hear? God visited the place of promise and he met their needs. He provided for them. He is what scripture says. He gave them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. Naomi is making a conscious decision to go back, leave the land of, of compromise and go back to the land of promise. But I just need to tell you today that it is more than a decision. It is more than a conscious decision to leave the land of compromise, to say, I'm going to change my life. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to correct this in my life, and I'm going to move. It is way it is deeper than that. Watch this, verse 6, 8. <laughs> but Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, go and return each one of you to your mother's house. Man, she loved them deeply. This wasn't because she didn't like them. She knew that, will you be accepted? A Moabite in Bethlehem in Judah. May the Lord deal kindly with you as he has dealt with me, as you have dealt with, with the dead and with me. Girls, I'm so proud of you and I love you so deeply. You have honored my sons in death. You have cared for them in death. You've honored them in death. You've honored them in life. And guess what? You have dealt kindly with me as well. The Lord grant that you may find rest. Each one of you in the house of her husband. In other words, she says, girls, go on. Start a new life. Then she kissed them. And they lifted up their voices and they wept. This isn't just a few tears. There's something about going through, tra you ever gone through tragedy, ever gone through difficulty and someone walked with you through it and it just welded your hearts? It just close emotional ties, deep friends. This is what is happening. Naomi cares a great deal for them. And they embraced and they wept because the last 10 years, they were all they had. They didn't have anybody else. They went through death together, the loss of, of husbands together, the loss of a son together. Verse 10, so the girls said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. So both of them now have made a conscious decision along with Naomi. We'll return. We'll move from the land of compromise to the land of promise. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Man, what a close relationship. They're her daughter-in-laws. They're Moabites. What a close relationship. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. 
if I should say I have hope. And Naomi's lost all hope. You know how you have lost hope in life? When you believe tomorrow will be no better than today. When you believe next week, next month, next year will be no better than today, you have lost hope. And Naomi has lost total and complete hope. Even if I should say I have hope because I don't have hope. Remember the last 10 years? Remember the difficulty we've gone through? Remember all that? I do not have hope. But even if I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband that is right and should bear sons, listen, in the land of compromise, you will always lose hope for the future. It's just a fact. Would you therefore wait till they are grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is, it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake. Now watch this. That the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. When I read that, I'm like, can't you believe that's in the Bible? I love the truth and the honesty and the transparency about Scripture that someone could write, and it's in the Bible, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. In the land of compromise, in the land of difficulty, there are many times that we will feel that the hand of God is against me. And she was no different. She says, I'm exceedingly bitter. This 10 years hasn't been easy. And Naomi is trying to tell them, I feel like I'm cursed and you stay with me and your life will not end well. Just get as far away from me as you can. And Ruth and Orpha both have to make a decision. They've made a decision. But are they going to follow through on the commitment? Verse 13, she said, the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Stick with me and his hand will be against you too. Verse 14, then they lifted up their voices and they wept again. And Orpha kissed the mother-in-law. But Ruth clung. It's the Hebrew word that comes out of, that means cleave, that comes out of Genesis where it says, a man shall leave his mother and father and, and cleave to his wife. It was a lifetime commitment. It was a deep relationship. And so Ruth clung to her. This is the part of a chick flick that us guys are going, are you believing this? I mean, you can't be serious. We're sitting there thinking, this is unreal. Stuff like this doesn't happen in life. And then we glance over and see our girlfriend or our wife and they're crying. And we're thinking, I'm not believing this. And you know what? After two girls and, a, and, and, and Karen and, and all the movies and chick flicks that I have had to see, <laughs> there's rules of engagement of this part of a chick flick. And men, you don't look over and make eye contact and say, what are you crying for? Are you serious? They don't want you to watch them cry. They don't want you to even notice that they're crying. They just want to sit there and cry, right? I mean, so only thing you and I can do is do not make eye contact, grab the tissue, and just hand it over. <laughs> so this is the part of the chick flick that us guys are going, I'm not believing this. 
But all the women are, are tracking. It's like some lifetime movie. I don't know. It's like Tom Hanks in League of His Own when he looked at the girls and says, you don't cry in baseball movies. <laughs> Remember that? Oh, well, just me. Verse 15. <laughs> Verse 15. I, I got a lot of processing to do about this. Anyway, Verse 15, and so, and so Naomi said, see your sister-in-law, Orpha, has gone back to her people and to her gods. Spiritual life is more than a decision. It's a change of life. And some of you may have come out of churches in easy believism, and, 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 and I understand that. It's more than a decision. You can't find a time in the New Testament where someone met Christ and their life did not change. Their life changed. It's more than a decision. It's more than an intellectual decision. It, repentance is this. It is a decision, but it's also a change of direction. Two ladies made the same decision one lived it out, and one didn't. And so Naomi, Naomi says, return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. So here comes her salvation prayer. This is so huge. A Moabite not raised in church, not raised learning anything about God, horrible past. And this is when she prays the prayer. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. And your people, this is a sentence, your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. Amen. I am going to be a God follower. I am asking him into my life. It's more than words. It's more than an intellectual statement. It's more than saying, hey, I believe in God, so that makes me a Christian. It's deeper than that. Your God will be my God. And then you see repentance, verse 17. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me. She calls him her Lord. See, a lot of us, we want him as Savior. Save us from hell. Save us from our sins. But we do not want him to lord over our life. It is easier for us to make him Savior than it is to make him Lord. And you see this in this text. She leaves the land of compromise and goes back to the land of promise. And may the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. There's a life change. This statement is so powerful that Ruth makes. It catches Naomi off guard. Anyone ever close to you became a Christian and you couldn't believe it because you said that person will never submit? And you just didn't, you're, you're without words? Saw someone get baptized and you're just without words? That was Naomi. Fact is, this statement was so profound, they didn't say another word. Watch this. And when Naomi saw that she was 
determined to go with her. She said no more. She's done. She's like, I am not believing what God just did in this person's life. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred. I guess so. <laughs> Maybe the biggest understatement of Scripture. Naomi had left, remember? She turned her back on her church. She turned her back on her life group. She turned her back on her friends. She turned her back on her family. She turned her back on everybody. And she left and went to the land of compromise. And now she's returning. And this is before the days of Twitter and Facebook and MySpace and the Internet and text messaging and all that stuff. No updates. Uh, when, when she left, she had a husband and two sons. Now she's coming back. Watch this. So the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, I mean, they just cut right to the heart. Naomi, that's you? The last 10 years had been pretty brutal. Naomi, is that you? You look so hard. You look so aged. I didn't even recognize. It's like going to your 20-year reunion. And look at some people. And you haven't heard from them in that whole period. Is that you? Not only that. Standing next to her is a Moabite woman. A picture of immorality. Godless. She said to them, verse 20, Do not call me Naomi. In the Hebrew, Naomi means pleasant, lovely. Do not call me Naomi. I'm not pleasant. And I'm not lovely anymore. Call me Mara. Which means bitter, angry. I was once pleasant. I was once lovely. But I am bitter. For the Lord, Lord Almighty, or for the Almighty, has dealt very bitterly with me. I still can't believe someone said this in Scripture. Let me tell you something. God can take it. There's honesty here. There's transparency here. There's an understanding here. I went away. Watch this. I went away full. And the Lord has brought me back empty. I went away full of life full of dreams, full of hope. And I'm telling you, the Lord has brought me back. I'm empty and I'm bitter. I am not Naomi anymore. I am hurting and I am in pain. Why call me Naomi? 
the Lord has testified against me. And the Almighty, he has brought calamity upon me. There are four times that she uses or references the name of God. And there's, a, there's this depth of bitterness in Naomi's life. And, and she's saying that, yeah, I understand. God's done this to me. And, but, but what we understand is that every detail of her life, every detail in the book of Ruth is under the sovereignty and the plan of God. We may not understand it, but Naomi was a lot like Job who said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be his name. Job and Naomi would say, should we be able to accept good from the Father and not bad? Naomi understood. Listen, Naomi was not a woman of weak faith. Her faith was strong and honest. And she understood the sovereignty and the plan of God in her life. Listen, you go through difficulty in life and you don't understand the plan, the sovereignty of God, then you will not know that he is there with you. And Naomi understood that. The two different words, she used four words of God, two different definitions, four types of words was this. The first one was this, is that God is sovereign and he is in control and he is the almighty. And the second thing is this, God is sovereign and in his sovereignty, he comforts the hurting. He comforts those that are in pain and he is a rock that we can stand on. That God is never caught off guard. That God never comes to the part and didn't know it was going to happen. I hear people all the time say, well, that probably surprised God. God probably didn't know. And Naomi says, no. Naomi understood that, yeah, it was hurtful and, yeah, it was painful, but God is working everything for his good in my life. And we ask these same questions. Is God really good? Is God really in control? Is God really good when we get that doctor's report that comes back and it is not so good? Is God really good? Is God really in control when that child rebels after you've poured your life into them and you've done everything you could to raise them and, and teach them and they become a prodigal? Is God really good when the spouse leaves? Is God really good when divorce happens? Is God really good when there's death and there's loss and there's hurt and there's pain? See, if we're not careful... And if we don't understand the sovereignty and the plan of God, we will fail to see the goodness of God in the midst of our pain. In Naomi, she was honest about her pain. The last thing is this, that many times famine leads people back to the promised land. Sometimes it is the goodness of God, but many times it is famine, it is hurt, it is pain that brings people back to the goodness of God. Verse 22, so Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, the writer, the Hebrew writer, wanted you to see the weight of this and feel the, 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 the emotion of this. She's back in Bethlehem. She's back with the Israelites. And he goes, oh, not just Ruth, Ruth the Moabite. Remember the Moabites, the Israelites don't like them. He wanted us to understand the hurt and the pain and what's going on, the stress. The Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. 
And this in my Bible is underlined, highlighted, asterisked. Uh, I've done everything I could to highlight this last sentence. And watch this. Here's what it says. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Naomi was coming back and says, I'm empty. I went away full and I came back empty. I, I went away pleasant. I've come back bitter. I have nothing. And by all appearances, she is right. There are times. There are times in life when we think that God is far from us. And he is right there. And the barley harvest is beginning. So many times people give up way too soon. And there's a barley harvest going on in their life. They're not aware of it. And they walk away. There are times even as God followers, Christ followers, that we long for what we do not have. We long for what we need. When everything seems so foreign to us, there's times in life, even in the land of promise, even in the land of uncertainty, where we, like Naomi, like Ruth, would say, I don't even know how to walk through this. I don't even know how to deal with this. I'm in a foreign land. I'm in a foreign land relationally, emotionally, financially, spiritually, physically. And we're in this place. There are times in life, in my life, and maybe yours, where nothing seems to make sense. And those are real. And those are real emotions. But when those things happen, we can trust in the sovereignty of God and know that he is near. When Naomi thought that God was far from her, he was right there with her. The barley harvest was beginning. There are times in your life and there are times in my life and there will be times in my life in the future where I will question if God is there with me. But that's when he is the closest to us. And he is right there with us. And when she thinks she is empty, the barley harvest is beginning. And is the greatest demonstration that we will see in Scripture of the faithfulness and the love of God. Naomi could have stayed bitter. You have a choice. You can go through difficulty. You can stay bitter. Or you can return to pleasant and lovely. It's your choice. Put yourself in Ruth's shoes for just a second. Imagine, if you will, your Ruth. No church background. 
never knew God, wasn't raised in a Christian home, a person of great immorality, go back into Judah, Bethlehem, and you're standing there beside Naomi. And when Naomi says, I went away full, I came back empty, all you can do is hang your head with shame because you know the Israelites are looking at you and you're the picture of emptiness. Stopping in Ruth, especially at this point, concerns me that we could just all leave here depressed today. <laughs> but God does an unbelievable work in Naomi and Ruth's life in the days to come. Unbelievable a woman that left the land of promise to the land of compromise and God brings her back and blesses her unbelievably doesn't judge her doesn't condemn her doesn't treat her as her sins deserve what the scripture says and then he takes Ruth who made a commitment to follow him a Moabite that the Israelites couldn't stand you realize Ruth ends up in the genealogy of Jesus Christ Only four women in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 2, read it for yourself. And Ruth is one of them. Today, I may be talking to some Naomi's. Some of you that have left the land of promise and you're in the land of compromise right now and you don't know why things won't work out. Would you return? Would you return to him? He will accept you, he will forgive you, and he will bless your socks off. For each one of us, there's a land of promise and there's a land of compromise.